Kamenetsky Brothers Podcast, Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. It is the 27th of December. The Lakers are in Sacramento uh, for Thursday night's game against the Kings. They'll come back on Friday and play the Clippers at Staples Center, and they'll do all of these things, Andy, without uh, LeBron James, at least for tonight, without uh, Rajon Rondo, at least for tonight, again, Thursday night, uh, as we record. Presumably... Those guys don't play tomorrow, but we don't know yet? I, I would be very surprised if LeBron misses fewer than three games. Like, I'm thinking three just, to five. Right. Just per, I think Starting going, with LeBron. Let's right, start there. Let's start with LeBron. I would be surprised, Brian, if, if they're not being really, really cautious with LeBron between what, he mean, be. between what he means to the organization, between what he means for the season, the age that he's at, and the, and the idea that groins – Man, they're easy to re-aggravate. They, they're problematic and they're tricky. Oh, look, I mean, look, when he, you watch this game on Christmas, and the Lakers playing this great game, and they're up by fifteen at the half, and it's looking good. And third quarter's looking good, and all this, and you see LeBron kind of wincing a little bit, and that's like bad. And then you go to hear the replay, and you see him say, "You know, I felt a pop," and you see him kind of moving, grabbing around his nether parts, like. It is not an overstatement to say that most of Los Angeles saw the 2018-2019 season just flash before their eyes and assumed it was basically over. Yeah. You hear groin pop. Like, that's what Will Barton felt, and like it ended up being a hip thing. He's been gone for like nine weeks. Um, you know, you tear that from, you know, the muscle from the bone there. That's a surgery, and he's basically done. And and you start thinking about okay, what does the future, future look like? Exactly. I mean, like, forget just this season. What does the future look like if that's a thing now? Because with LeBron, there have been no things when it comes to you know long term big picture injury, other than I guess his back, his back, which doesn't seem to be a problem anymore. No, it seems like it's under control. Uh, he's, he's so the, ultimately the new you you got Chris Haynes at Yahoo reported right after the game that uh, things didn't seem that dire uh they got the mri the next day and so he is chris haynes by the way is the mole chris haynes lately has been getting stuff fast i mean you know he's great at what he does good for him you know was with espn for a while now with yahoo doing a terrific job but there's been a few things lately i'm like damn do the like, lakers even know in, did he go in there and just feel up the guy's groin himself <laughs> like does lebron even know this like, info what was that whoa you know like Man, get your hands out of there. But what look, do you want the story or don't you? <laughs> Let's make it very clear Chris Haynes did none of that. Right. <laughs> like before. Right, LeBron, this Le- is this is how real quick, LeBron, turn your head and cough. <laughs> <laughs> this is how misinformation spreads. Sure. But I it all things considered, it seemed to be the best uh, yeah. possible solution uh, end game for the Lakers. Um day to day we'll call I mean, I agree with you. I feel like it's strange. For, if you don't travel to Sacramento, the idea that you turn around and play the next day against the Clippers seems both unlikely and, quite frankly, unwise. Um, you have Sunday's game against the Kings now at home, and then um, Tuesday. Tuesday against uh, the Thunder right. again at home. At Staples Center. And uh, interesting, side note to this, if you'd said LeBron's going to miss four games, but and they said this in October— but two of them would be against the Kings. Wednesday, sorry, against yeah. the Thunder. Two of them would be against the Kings and one against the Clippers. You'd be like, oh, okay, that's not so bad. Now it's like, damn, this could be a problem. Because of the Rondo factor. Well, 
Well, no, because those teams are good. Sure, but I, I mean, Clippers have not been playing great no, lately. No, but, but they, they played, they, they won last night. I mean, yeah. I'm just, my well, point against... being, these are supposed to be the bad teams. Right. Okay. Um, and so now you, let's say he misses four games, could be more, could be less, whatever it is. Add the Rondo thing to it because we learned on Wednesday night. Out of nowhere. I, no, like it just, we were, we were doing spectrum with Chris McGee. And we ended up having to rewrite a lot of the show because well, during the we, show, well, other folks, <laughs> someone had other to. folks. You, you and I, Brian, we just work off the top of our consciousness. That's right. We just roll with whatever. But I mean, all of a sudden, it broke during the show that Rondo has this grade three sprain of his right ring finger. Grade three, by the way, is the highest the sprain goes. Yeah, there is no grade four, Andy. <laughs> there, there's not. I mean, they, they turn. He turned that sprain up to eleven. Yeah, like that's what that is. And like, and of course, we learned this last night while we were furiously googling and WebMDing mm-hmm. and all these other things to find out exactly what that means. And um, what it does mean is that you've torn something, like you have severely or completely torn a ligament, um, and. You had you talked to Clapper today. What I did, did, did talk to Doctor Clapper this morning, and he he did express some hope that Rondo might actually be able to play through this. You know, with a lot of taping, you know, splinting, and then you know, pain tolerance. And obviously, there's the question of how well can he control the ball? Like, you know, how effective can he be? You know, as that type of point guard. You know, with this being his ball dominant hand, you know, and that they they wouldn't have to do surgery right away. I mean. It's it's different than what a lot of what I've read, but the flip side is Dr. Clapper, I will take his word for these sort of well, things. Well, I just also think, too, everybody, everybody, because this injury kind of popped up out of nowhere, is operating a little bit out of in, in the dark. So the Lakers say he's going to be evaluated again on Friday, and they'll figure out what comes after. But the, the important thing is, is how it changes for however, again, just like LeBron, however many games this lasts, it, it so quickly changed the 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 focus and the kind of the the storylines about what this lebronless stretch would be because if you go to the the golden state game the second half of that game lebron gets hurt the warriors go on a 14 to 1 run the lead gets down to 2 and it looks like the game is good the golden state's going to end up winning with one of those golden state runs instead the lakers push back they finished the quarter really strong, and a lot of that was Rondo. Oh. It was Rondo to Zubats. It was Rondo organizing and calming down the offense. More than any player on the floor for either team, and I'm even including LeBron when he played. Rondo controlled that game. and He was masterful. And so the idea was, well, LeBron as the primary ball hander is going to be out, but you still have Rondo who you can lean on. Even if Lonzo starts, you can still have Rondo to lean on when you need him. Maybe not now. So, what this does is it means the best players on your team now are these young guys. Lonzo, Ingram are your primary ball handlers. The other two are out. Lance Stevenson. Lance Stevenson. He'll he'll do it, but like, you know. (laughs) (laughs) There, There is a point at which... There's such a thing as too much Lance. You only want Lance's light to be so green. 
what happened? Like it could be like a pale you, green. But you never State. want it to be like Kelly green or no. you know really green. It's super like a really deep green, like, like neon the, like green, those, like like those ducks that you see on the river. Yeah, you want it to really be like nice the green you know head. like the yeah. the key lime pie that's a really pale green. Yeah, that should is that yellow? Yeah, you're not quite sure. We're not sure. Tastes good. Yeah, it's fine. But what color? What color is? Yeah, that? that's the green that Lance. You want Lance to do Lance stuff. It, it, there are two times you're down by 15 and it's like you break the glass in case of emergency if it doesn't work you're down by 30 who cares you're already down by 15 or he does great lance weird stuff and suddenly you're in the game again you know what lance kind of is on this team beetlejuice a little bit <laughs> like you just you summon lance right. when it's absolutely necessary he, <laughs> he just, goes berserk and you sort of cross your fingers he goes and berserk you, and you have no idea where this is headed but it could very well like, be entertaining and, and, but the flip side is they kind of needed lance in golden state yes like, like okay yeah like we're out of dudes Look, he it's hit time a to do- big shot to close the third quarter yeah, and then the, 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 the strummy thing it's like we this is what we've been reduced to let's give it a try um and so, but you don't want to, you don't want to, you don't want to rely on that. That's not where you, that's not the beginning. No. So your primary ball handlers are. Beetlejuice is not in the movie much. No. <laughs> There's a reason. I love Beetlejuice. It's a great movie. It's a great it's movie. A great movie. But you don't want Beetlejuice in charge of everything. No. <laughs> no, you don't. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it, you know, it's, a, what's that? It's, what is it? The Siege? The Bruce Willis movie, Oof. where well, like where he says, like, you know, don't give me this power. I beg of you, please don't give me this power. <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, they do mm-hmm. because, you know, there's another hour and a half of movie left. Mm-hmm. And he, and now Bruce Willis has to do that stuff because he begged him not to yeah. give him power. Similar to Lance Stevenson. He's probably telling Luke, don't do it. Don't no. do it. because no, he's not. No, he's not. <laughs> he's, he's absolutely him, do not. Do it, Luke. Do it. Do he's it. absolutely not saying that. No. Have you met Lance? The rest of us are. So... The best players on the team are are now the young guys, and these you know JaVale, we set that aside for a second. The Lakers, if they're going to play two games, four games, five games, however successful they're going to be, are going to do it on the backs of Lonzo, Ingram, Hart, Kuzma, and at least Maybe increasingly Zubots. Zubots, and we'll see what happens with the center position. The difference, though, that so basically it's last year. The difference, though, is. None of these guys have ever played games where they've been the primary talent on the floor and the result of the game, not the result of their personal performance, the result of the game mattered. Yeah. And so there are stakes this year that were not there in the previous two seasons. None and, and at all. And so you have, let's say LeBron misses 10 games and that's a probably, I think it's on the high end, but it let's feels just call like it. on high. But I don't know. I don't know. We don't I, know. We don't know yet what this is. It feels high, but it does. Knows? Steph missed eleven with a groin strain, but Steph's had more By the way, stuff. I think Steph, in these comments that he gave to Mark Spears with the undefeated about you know, take it easy, gotta be LeBron, cautious, yeah. gotta be. This feels to me like Steph playing a little bit of four dimensional chess, like a little bit of ulterior mode. Look, LeBron, if you got to sit and you know you got to deal with the team playing sub five hundred ball while you're out, and maybe that takes you lower down the standings. Maybe it takes you out of. Hey. The eighth seed, you know, hey, big picture. I'm just here looking out for you, LeBron. Yeah, you know, or guy. maybe we don't play you on the 21st, MLK Day, you're not there. Hey, I, I'm just looking out for it's you. Just, it's just me looking out for you. I see what you're doing, Steph. I, but my, it. Yeah, so, but like, the Lakers can't have a stretch where they go 2-8. and eight. No. Like, you do that, and you go from comfortably in the top four, where the Lakers, oh, Lakers open Thursday, I haven't looked at the Thursday morning standings, but the Lakers open... 
Uh, at least yesterday they were two and a half out of first, but they were also two and a half out of like twelfth. So <laughs> it's nuts, man! It's crazy. And so you know you have a bad stretch. I'm looking at it today. The Lakers are two and a half out of first. They are a game and a half out of uh, being tied for eighth. Sacramento is currently ninth. The Lakers are two games ahead of them. Two games ahead of Memphis. Three and a half. Jeez, it's crazy. Even the 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 Timberwolves at 16 and 18 are only four games behind the Lakers. Timberwolves are 13th in the conference right now. It's nuts, man. So you have a bad stretch. Like so the, the, this isn't just a growth experience. This is where that thing of what the Lakers are doing, the cross purposes of this season, which is on the one hand, win games, make the playoffs, try to win a round or two versus audition to see who's on the team next year with LeBron, kind of run another one of these places where it's kind of cross-purposes because the Lakers have to win these games. But the flip side is, what like how these guys play doesn't help at all answer the second question in my mind other than the sort of intangibles, these guys stepped up when they were needed type thing. But it doesn't tell you who plays well with LeBron because LeBron isn't playing. I mean, the only thing it could potentially do, depending on how long this absence is, is LeBron is an observant guy, and he's going to be paying very close attention to what's happening out there. So he may start getting a better mental image of sort of how all of this can work and then take that information back out onto the court. Sure. You know, and, and maybe it starts working a little bit more smoothly just because he got a different perspective on this that he would never get when he's playing, you know, 30 something minutes a night. But you're right, in practical right. in practical direct terms, it doesn't answer those questions. It, you're correct. And in some ways, Andy, I even wonder if it reinforces other stuff. Like Kuzma crushes it with LeBron out. Um continues playing like he does in December, playmaking, rebounding, all this stuff. It it will Enhances trade value, no question. It will make him uh, more a more valuable chip around the league with the Anthony Davis discussions and all that. We can maybe get to that in a minute. But it doesn't fundamentally change anything because he's already seen as somebody who plays well with LeBron. So, ah, Kuzma, he's a guy who can step into that role uh, as the, the wingman to LeBron if you need that. Another wingman. Uh, Josh Hart, same kind of thing. Already seen as somebody who plays well with LeBron. Lonzo and to an even greater extent Ingram, if they go out and crush it with LeBron out of the lineup, it will enhance their trade value. It will make them look more uh, more solid as, as players. But it also could reinforce the idea of what people are already kind of worried about, which is that neither one of them work that well with LeBron, particularly Ingram. If Ingram really plays well, the irony of that could be that people, instead of saying, ooh, Maybe this guy is ready to step up and be, you know, play in that role. It could be, ah, this is great, but it really shows he can't play with LeBron. When LeBron's not there, he plays well. Well, I mean, here's the thing right now. The collective we, whether you're talking about people around the league, people who cover the league, fans, they've already made up their mind. So it's going to be very difficult to convince them otherwise. I'm it, not does, say- it does seem like if you took a, if you pulled it, can Ingram play with LeBron? Dude, this was this became yeah. a talking point like five games into the season. Like people made up their minds really quickly. Maybe it was the byproduct of they looked pretty good together during the preseason. 
So all of a sudden it looked jarring that once the season began... It didn't work. It didn't get better. But it seemed like by, you know, game 10 at the latest, everybody had already decided Ingram and LeBron don't play together. People were already comparing their minutes together versus separate. Mm -hmm. This happened fast. I mean, and obviously it matters a whole lot more if, you know, Rob and Magic have made that no, same I, I understand and, that. And I'm just saying the conversation the league, but, but came correct. fast. You know, you, there's no question. Um, and the, the other thing that's that's kind of interesting about it too, from the Lonzo standpoint, is because I, I I think the Lonzo Lonzo's fit with LeBron is predicated in a lot. Just is he going to shoot well or not? Can he finish at the rim or not? Can he take advantage of the space LeBron can create for him or not? Because a lot of his game and the the way he plays in which in terms of uh influ- how he influences the game um ought to work well with lebron but it the the thing that i think is always weird about it is it is how poorly he responds or has responded this year when rondo's been available the quality of his play drops off in a big way whenever rondo's in the lineup like most of his good games have come when rondo wasn't there I don't know what to make of that. Like, it's not a good thing. No, because they brought they brought Rondo in in part to push Lonzo and challenge him, and and it to this point it seems like he hasn't responded all that well. He has definitely played better when Rondo hasn't been available, and a lot of young players, to be fair to Lonzo, respond best when they don't feel like they ever have to look over their shoulders. Mm-hmm. And all of these guys have to adjust to the idea of there are better players around you now. And the stakes are higher. You know, this is something the Celtics are dealing with a lot. Uh, Kyrie Irving actually said, I thought, some very uh, poignant comments when he said, like, look, for Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, last year they weren't going to get replaced no matter how badly they played, even though by and large they played very well. This year you have more options. And the Lakers don't necessarily have that many talented players better than the young guys, but the stakes are still better or are greater in a way that those guys will be taken off the floor Mm -hmm. if they're not playing as well. I don't think this has necessarily affected Ingram in the sense that he's looking over his shoulder. I think Ingram's just trying to figure out how to do it. And Ingram's a very cerebral, I think very deliberate player. Like, he's very methodical. He tends to progress incrementally over the course of seasons. You know, we saw this. Well, I think it's incremental, incremental, and then jump. Incremental, incremental, jump. Um, and unfortunately, a lot of what's gotten in the way of the jump is him being just off the court. I, he's been he hasn't been court, available. He's been off the court. And I also think, too, he's just the adjustment for him taking the ball out of his hands. And this is why people don't think the, the the fit with LeBron is good. When you take the ball out of Ingram's hands, he he has had trouble doing the things that like Kuzma that will get him the ball in space and quick. And, but the, the coaching staff hasn't been as good at fixing that with him as other players but also when he gets it i think he feels an overwhelming compulsion to have to do something with yeah it. And, and that's something with ingram that you know this period where Le, uh, where lebron and ron there's too many names with l's lebronzo that, yeah that Lebrondo, end with but this period however long it lasts with lebron and rondo out ingram is going to be 
charged with running a lot of offense. We saw last year he did that with Lonzo out, and all things being equal for a quasi-point guard, played it pretty well. Yeah, he's getting, this is, he, ought to, he ought to be able to thrive in this What he needs to do, though, that, that we need to see from Ingram that we haven't seen as much this year is he's got to make quicker reads. He has to be more decisive. He needs to get rid of the ball quicker. Like He's got to, he's got to be orchestrating stuff faster well, and I, see it faster. I think... And I think it'll happen because I think the feeling will be is I, I'm going to have the ball a lot. I'm going to be doing this a lot. So you I may think, be right. And Maybe he as simple is, as that. And, and this gets to a conversation we started to have before we, we get it's sort of the Lonzo thing. Like Ingram behaves more like a traditional point guard when you ask him to have a – he initiates the offense. He, he'll, he'll make the pass. He'll make the read. He'll make the whatever, drive, kick, whatever it is. Lonzo – a lot of what Lonzo does to initiate the offense or whatever or initiate a play comes two passes before or he like impactful point guard Lonzo Bill Orm has a, a really good story about this on yes, the athletic it kind of breaking down how we cover by the way the Lakers for the athletic for people who are we not do, aware and they should subscribe they should the the adjustment for Lonzo is different because he's not a Rondo-esque point guard where, you know, or Chris Paul or Russell Westbrook, where he's got the ball in his hands until he doesn't. The way he organizes, moves guys around, makes that quick pass to start the next pass, to, all of that is kind of his style of having impacts on a game, which changes with LeBron there, and he's got to figure out and find his space and all that kind of stuff. I just, you know, I... I feel like Ingram will look like he's able to control things in a way that's more comfortable because it's more traditional. And Lonzo will be able to, hopefully, without Rondo, I don't think it has anything to do, I think it has less to do with LeBron being available than Rondo. I agree. Will just be aggressive. He'll be Brooklyn, Charlotte. Um, I'm thinking more Charlotte. I forget if he played well against Brooklyn or not. But that Lonzo, aggressive Lonzo, impactful Lonzo in that way, controlling things in his style of controlling them. I hope so, because to be honest, I we were talking about this, like you said, before the break. Lonzo's now been on the team about a year and a half. We've seen him play very well in a lot of games, and we've seen his ability to affect games on both sides of the ball. He's got a sort of an unconventionally but still versatile skill set, but he doesn't control games in a way that you need somebody or expect somebody who part of their job is to organize things, and part of their job is to control the and and dictate the flow of a game. And a lot of times, I feel like Lonzo fills the cracks more than he actually controls things. And and yeah, I, sometimes I, I feel I, I feel like Lonzo can be too passive, and I don't mean like looking for his shot the way most people define being a, an aggressive or passive basketball player. I mean like he's too content to let everything be dictated for him, and then he reacts to that. And sometimes I feel like LeBron is, I mean, uh, Lonzo is miscast as a point guard to begin with. Like he's almost like a, like a shooting guard with court vision and Kevin Love's well, Pete, ability. Well, Pete's actually made, Pete Zayas, who again we work with at the, at the athletic, he's another on silver screen and roll and, and all kinds of play. His comp, and it's an interesting one, like that he talks about Draymond because people always do the Jay Kidd thing. Pete's comp, uh, which we were talking about this at, at Staples one night, is Draymond. Which I thought was really interesting. Yeah. Obviously, size wise, very different. But you know, both of them are good defenders. Both of them are sort of unconventional for their position in the skill set that they have. Both of them are sort of, uh, you know, Draymond not a good shooter, 
uh, even though he's sort of seen as this as part of it. He's been really Lord. bad this year. But like that kind of that's the the like we've been looking in the wrong spot because we want to pair, compare guard to guard. But it's you know I thought that was a really interesting one. We when we talked to Arnovitz last year on our show, like that's this is part of the Lonzo puzzle. He there are times I feel like it's not so much that he's passive; it's that you need him to behave in a way and play it by you know you know what I mean by behave play in a way that is actually just more conventional. Is he you know this gets back to the unicorn platypus thing that I the, that I've been that I've been workshopping with Lonzo. Some I, would say beating it to death, but I'm working on it. He's obviously really talented. But is he a guy that you have to build everything else around to make it work? Tim Tebow, in football terms, was a platypus. It's not that he couldn't be good. It's that, but you had to make everything else. No, I think in Tim Tebow's case, he was a bad at football platypus. He's not very good at football. He was. He, he could be not at the professional level. He wasn't a good football player. You, but you could set up a, an offense around him. No, you the, couldn't. They, not consistently. Not, you couldn't. Not consistently because you had to make it all about his exact skill set. I don't if even you tailored. But, some, no, but the point but, being, I don't want to get deep into semantics, but I think this is important. I don't think what you're talking about can be done for Tim Tebow. Period. I don't think it can be done. But even in the effort, my my point is he had, he had a skill set. He was whatever. And if you if you wanted to make it work. You could try, but you had to tailor everything to what he was doing because he was incapable of doing things in a more conventional way. Unicorns, people look at them and go, wow, that's amazing. They can do stuff you don't expect, but I know what to do with it. It's like I can plug it into – I can plug Porzingis or Jokic or some of these guys into an offense because they still do – conventional things in a conventional way they're just better at it and have more skills than than anybody else should be able to at their size or speed or whatever it is lonzo sometimes just needs to be more conventional yes and i think in terms of we, dictate, we've had that we've had this discussion before i i think the low usage thing that a lot of people used to rave about with lonzo i think is starting to become a detriment to him because in some ways he's al- he's almost like the equivalent of Tavon Austin or a gimmick, player, a gadget guy, a gadget guy in football. It, the, yeah, I see what you're saying. Like sometimes you need him to say this. I'm going to, I'm going to do this possession like Chris Paul would, right? Where I have the ball in my hands and I move defenders around. And I, and I think part of the reason he's not comfortable with it is because the reason CP, the reason Steve Nash, the reason Westbrook, or some of these guys can do that. Is because in one way or another, their threat as offensive players makes defenders uncomfortable. So if they don't close or if they don't do something in the lane, Nash, whoever it is, can score. Lonzo doesn't have that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's his own apprehension at his own skill set. I was going to say, none of this is to say that he's a bad player, has no skills. He's clearly good. Right. But the question of whether he can provide what the Lakers need being asked to play outside of an extreme comfort zone or, you know, an extreme specific way, I think is still a very open question right now to the point where, as you were saying, to be a superstar, if he's going to be a star player, like a number two pick who elevates into an all-star caliber player, you you got, you got to be able, you know, as much as we talk about the way guys like LeBron or Kobe or, you know, truly elite players, you adjusted them. They don't adjust to you. 
those guys are still able to adjust to what's needed of them, and then they make everybody else right. adjust and to I the think, way they're I think, playing. I, well, I should say, I think Alonzo is excellent at helping the players around him get the ball in the location, you know, in the hand spot. His passing is accurate. I mean, he's excellent. You know, he he will find you if you move. He will get if you get up on the floor. He will have that ball to you on the break incredibly quickly. He's excellent at that stuff. I think he understands what his teammates are doing. You can see him thinking in the same way in a lot of ways as as LeBron does and Rondo and all that. It's the other stuff where you know, he just he isn't always able because of his own skills that aren't developed enough to control games in a more conventional way that sometimes conventional is needed. Right. I mean, there is a reason con- in certain cases, in certain situations, convention. Well, that it's lasted. Yeah, <laughs> like that right. it's actually stuck around. Fundamentals. A while. Why yeah. we you know, why have we always done it this way? Sometimes we've always done it this way because we've always done it this way, and maybe we shouldn't. But sometimes it's because that's the right way to do right. it. Sometimes it's because it actually works. Right. Um, so I, I don't want the Lakers to play eight games without LeBron. Mm-mm. But I'm I'm I I think four would be like an interesting lab. Yeah, like f- four doesn't they, they go over four doesn't kill them. Well, look here's here's the thing too that I, I that does give me some degree of optimism for a however long you know assuming it's not three months but however long they would play a handful of games without LeBron or Rondo. Last year's team and granted that includes Julius Randle who was a big part of what they did and is playing very well in New Orleans or like Brook Lopez, but. A lot of these same guys from last year, had they have been healthy, I think they could have been a 500 team in the West last year. And maybe the West isn't as hard as it is this year, but still pretty damn hard. So that speaks to yeah, what the, the, the top to what end. The, the top end of the West was better last year, but the bottom end wasn't this good. Yeah, but it still speaks to what they're capable of doing working together because that's not easy to do. Right, but this team without Rondo and without LeBron doesn't have last year's. No, I get that. That's what I said. It's not. Yeah, you're right. Apples it's, to apples. It, you're, right. you're right. But it I'm speaks. Agreeing with you. Yeah, it speaks to what they can do. Um, at the end of it, this will have a major influence on what teams think of the players that the Lakers might have to throw in the Anthony Davis conversation. Yeah. Uh, because that is not going away, despite... And I, I respected a great deal the LeBron James troll of last week um, when he said, yeah, you know, ask me about KD. Ask me about, you know, Giannis. Ask me about all these guys. And he's like, not tampering. No, I the want to play real, with all of them. No, the true trolling. That wasn't even the real trolling. The true trolling was going out to dinner with Anthony Davis. That that's taken trolling to the next level because you know they made sure. I think it was Chris Haynes again who broke the dinner. You know that they let made sure to let Chris. Somebody made sure Chris Haynes what, knew about this. Had he broken the dinner and the groin at the same time, now, <laughs> that would have been impressive. Well, particularly since one thing happened like a week before. That's the other. my point. Yeah, but um, I'm just saying. No, you're like, right. That's that but, but, is. But that answer, chef's kiss. That trolling. answer though was a great result. Like, yeah, yeah, I can do it. And what are you going to do? Um, ask me about all of them. Um, and, and so I, I respected that, but like the, the talk is heating up and, um, the, whether or not Kuzma, Ingram, Lonzo, or whatever play well in this stretch has a significant impact on what the Lakers can do when Anthony Davis finally is put on the market. And as Zach Lowe wrote today for ESPN, it's looking more and more like that's going to happen because 
The Pelicans are struggling. Uh, AD has said the money is not going to be the thing. Um, and if he does that one-year, 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 one-year thing, you actually can get that money back that he'd pass up on the Supermax. Not all of it, but enough of it. Look, man, when you're going to be stupid rich no matter what, if you get some of it back, you're already starting with a base that's more money than likely you'll ever need for the rest of three generations of your life. Like, you, you're you already silly rich. I think that's actually... When they created the Supermax, you know, in a lot of these smaller market teams, you know, we're hoping that discrepancy would be what keeps these players around. I think the league, in some ways, wanted that too, although they, they love this soap opera. And oh, they love of course the they super do. teams. There's no way the league would ever say players can't tamper. But no, of course not. But the thing, though, that I do think the league never really saw coming was the idea that players would actually turn the Supermax down. I think they thought they would grab every single well, dime possible. And they also never saw the idea of teams deciding this Supermax is too expensive for us. Right, and, and it's, it's certain guys will take it. John Wall will take it. John, you know, like, Players like that that you kind of, as the team, have to go like, I don't love this idea, but what's the alternative? Anthony Davis is the ideal person you would want to take the Supermax. And if he was playing in L.A., maybe he would. I'm just saying I think they thought Every single one of these guys would take it. Sure. But when you're going to be stupid rich no matter what, and the only reason you're in the position to get one of these contracts is you're already playing on a big contract. So, like, you've right. already I mean, made. The only, I mean, Anthony Davis might be the argument you would say is he gets hurt enough that there, you know, look, there's a risk. There's definitely a risk. If you go year by year by year and you're AD and you have a history you know, relatively early history of not super significant injury, but it's a it's right. a it's a yearly thing. AD is going to miss fifteen games. There's a risk, but it's not. I'm just saying. I think it's yeah. something. No, that you're the, right. They never no, you're right. saw coming. You're right. Um, I I think the other part of this, and this is what this gets into some of the stuff that Rachel Nichols was talking about. How much they need the AD trade is dependent in part on how much LeBron James can play recruiter. Um, he talked about that in that halftime interview um, with Rachel Nichols, said a few things. Here, here's, here's a lot of that. That would be ideal. And I think you've heard you know, from the front office that their ideas and they're what they believe they, you know, what we can do. Um, and that's going to be my job as well. You know, I'm looking forward to when... You know, guys come up for free agency. Um, I'll be at their doors. Uh, I'll be on their phones, um, seeing how we can continue to help this franchise become an elite franchise and get back to the mountaintop again. Oh, I've always recruited. All right. I've always recruited. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Is this something new? I've, I've been recruiting. I've been trying to get guys to come play with me since, like, 2007. I've got rejected a lot, but I've also have not got rejected. <laughs> That's right. A lot of people didn't want to come to Cleveland. Let me just throw that out there. So you don't feel it was you? <laughs> no, I don't feel that it was me. I, I tried to recruit so many guys to come to Cleveland, and we actually had a we had had a couple guys. And it just tell me now. Don't wait for the thirty for thirty. Tell me now. No, I don't want to. I don't. But it wasn't hard getting guys in Miami. I'll tell you that. <laughs> now that I think mm-hmm. being in LA, I don't think it would be that hard to get guys here. But we got to win, and, and at the end of the day, it's all about winning. That's my job right now is to show. Everybody that I can win with, with whatever. 
there's obviously a difference between the Lakers signing somebody and trading for someone. If you if you can sign someone and you still keep your stuff, it's ideal. I I don't I don't buy the idea that LeBron can't recruit people to play here, that nobody wants to play with LeBron, but I also don't buy the idea that LeBron can convince Kawhi Leonard or Kevin Durant or whatever to enter a situation that they fundamentally know how it's gonna go. And this gets back to One KD's. that might be toxic, for example? Well I Separate the separate that part out for a second with KD because LeBron addressed that as well. Ooh, and the, the, yeah. Let me just say, I mean, in case we don't get a, a round to playing that sound, oh, we'll just play it because I mean, it's, they're related. Um, this is how he initially reacted. I was a little pissed off when I first heard it. Um, to be honest, um, I, I didn't know where it stemmed from, so um, I was pissed. My family was pissed. My friends was pissed. We just didn't know why. You know, at this point in time in the season that, you know, my name or, or, or what I've done in my career was kind of talked about like that. So, um, you know, I don't feel like it's ever been toxic um, around me. And when I when I hear toxic, I automatically thought like, you know, toxic is like you you don't never you don't want to be around that because it's almost like a. It's almost like a, a fatal disease. You don't want to be around that. Okay, And KD would say I wasn't talking about you, LeBron James, are toxic. It's the environment, but you, I don't blame it. You hear toxic and you think, he's calling me toxic. Play the part, by the way, oh, too. I'm, oh, don't worry. Because <laughs> this is my favorite part. Him talking about the phone conversation he yes. had with Kevin Durant. And so they talked about yeah. it. Yeah. Got a, got a phone call from KD. We, we talked about it. He mentioned how he felt and, and how the story, how he felt the story took a twist. And, um, you know, as a man, I can't, I don't hold on to things. Uh, too long. I'm, 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 I'm too happy in my life right now. And, um, I don't hold on to anything that will, will take away from my happiness. So how did you two leave that conversation? Um, listen, he, he told me what he, what he, how he felt and, uh, he apologized on how it came out. And I said, all right, we move on from there. At the risk of saying mm. LeBron James is a liar. I think he's hanging on to it a little bit. Well, it certainly <laughs> doesn't sound like he didn't be like, "Look, man, we talked it out, and it's it's all good." No, and supposedly, like, it's not like they're they're like enemies. No, it's not, he's this is not a Chris Paul Austin Rivers relationship. It's so great that they're on the same team again. I didn't, that is the that greatest fantastic? thing ever. For, I feel like that is so awesome. I feel like it's just one of those things where the world because it's a crazy world right now, Andy. Where a lot of negative things are happening. And I like CP. I do too. And I don't like Austin Rivers. <laughs> you you don't like him. That's just annoying. It's a stupid goatee. I mean, there's a lot I don't like about. I him. feel though like the two of them really deserve each other. I completely agree. I with feel you. like 100%. really they deserve each other, and we deserve them deserving each other. Yes, and it's just a, it's a good thing. Yeah, isn't that what Martha Stewart used to say? <laughs> it's a good thing. Um, By the way, too, it totally reminded me of that scene in Mad Men. When uh, when Don Draper's ta- I forgot his uh, assistant's name. Um, when she she's upset that he, her name is not on the Clio Award and she's not getting credit, and right, he says this is the that's that's what the money is for. right. That's what the money is for. When Chris Paul she wants, is she wants she wants acknowledgement from right. Don Draper that she's doing a good job. He says that's what the money is for. for. And yeah, when Chris I, Paul used to have that on our board. When Chris Paul lets. The front office of the Rockets know that he can't stand playing with Austin Rivers. They tell him that's what the money's for. Exactly. Um, I can't believe they took that away from me. I had that on the board. Um, but, like, these are all related things. Because even if even if you believe, like, set, it, even, set aside the toxic thing, let's just say that they 
hashed it out in a way that's, that LeBron was fully satisfied with, and they are bro tight again. Mm-hmm. Which isn't what I got <laughs> no. out of that out of that clip. No. But let's just say that they were. Fundamentally, what KD said about playing with LeBron is absolutely one hundred percent true. And so there's an element of truth to it, yes. He's just a if you are a star, if you are a star player, you have to do things playing with you're not gonna be the guy who has the ball in your hands because you're not a bigger star than LeBron. You're not more made than LeBron. You're not better than LeBron. Do you want to enter that? And there is no amount of recruiting that LeBron can do that. I think fundamentally, I heard Marcellus talking about this um, on Twitter. I clicked on something. They, they were talking about it on Fox with one of the shows he's on. And he made the point. And he's exactly right. And I've said it. And other people have said it. Like, you appreciate LeBron Calm, But, like, nobody's going to – these guys aren't stupid. Kawhi knows what it's going to be like to play with LeBron. KD knows what it's going to be like. You can win a lot, but if you want to play in a certain way, if you want a certain degree of credit, if you want to be the center of your team, if you want the challenge, as Kobe did post-Shaq, of leading a team and being the guy, then you're not going to want to play with LeBron because you can't have those things. If you care a little bit less about that stuff, then you can play with LeBron. I mean, that's why somebody like Clay Thompson is the ideal. Or, you know, somebody like, say, a Bradley Beal, who hasn't gotten far enough in his career where you're like, right. I and, have and to do never, this. And never is going to be seen right. as the never. best player and the best team yeah, to I mean, win a title. AD, by the way, it. Anthony Davis, is a very interesting test case in all of this. Because he's somebody who's never gotten past the second round. But he's clearly good enough if you gave him a quality supporting and, cast to be the guy. And also young enough... That his time will come. That is, you could say, take your time, hold on, and you'll get there. Kawhi's a little bit older. And know, Kawhi's and already made. He's already got his ring. He's already been a finals MVP at LeBron's expense. Mm-hmm. That changes the calculus. So I, I don't buy, in, in the same way that I don't buy, nobody would come play with Kobe because, you know, quite frankly, there weren't a lot of opportunities for the Lakers to go out no. and get a superstar. No, when, when, any. when Kobe was at his peak, the Lakers were always capped out. Right. They had no opportunity to bring any of those guys in, and they didn't have anybody that could make that you could trade to bring in. Now, some people probably wouldn't have wanted to do it. Kobe has said, playing with me is not for not everyone. Not fun. Not for everyone. Playing with LeBron, not for everyone, in a different way. But, you know, what Kyrie has said is true. Like, if you're the other guy on that team, you tend to get a lot more of the – and this is, I think, in a lot of ways what KD was getting at. The second guy gets a lot of the crap. You know, it's Kyrie gets a lot of it, and Kevin Love got a lot of it. And, you know – Chris Bosh, nobody appreciated nearly enough what he did until that run was over. People forget he was on the team. Um, Chris Bosh was essential for what they did. And, you know, a Hall of Fame caliber player, and nobody really appreciated everything he was there. Yeah. Everything he did. And so, you know, being the third wheel, second wheel, third wheel, whatever it is, I I understand what what the reluctance is. I don't think LeBron is is a negative in terms of recruiting, in terms of like the message, but like he's not going to convince Kawhi to do something that, that what. You know, the reality is it's not going to be the reality. It's not going to convince KD. So these guys are going to do what they want. So, I mean, especially if they know what they want. If they really know, you know, like Kevin Durant, it seems like we have an idea of what he wants and what he feels like he doesn't have. No, I I think we know. I don't think he knows how to solve it. But I we certainly if he's paying attention to himself, Kevin Durant knows what he's not getting. 
I don't know if he knows how to get it. But I he think, knows, I he think knows what he, he thinks. He, I, I think he feels like he wants he he at the same time he wants to be the guy who does whatever he wants that makes him happy. Which means if I want to go play in L.A. F all of you, I'm going to do it and say what you want about me playing with LeBron while he also doesn't want people to criticize him for going to play with LeBron and I'm going to go do it by myself. Oh, no, but I'm just saying I think he knows. I want two things I think he knows what the root, though, of dissatisfaction and the root of what okay, I, I what want. Saying. I don't think he knows how to get it. I don't think he understands or is able to you know, square. There's always going to be elements that keeps a situation from being perfect. There's this, no such thing as a perfect situation. Right. It, it just this, this whole thing is is going to be fascinating to to watch, and the you know the next three, four, five, six games are going to play, just kind of bring it back around. Like are going to play a little role in that. Mm-hmm. If the Lakers don't play well without LeBron, if Kuzma looks bad, if Ingram looks bad, if Lonzo, particularly Ingram and Lonzo, look bad within these games without LeBron, that's that's a problem. You know because now you you are potentially in a difficult spot with free agency and the trade value is just eroding a little bit. If they play great, maybe you don't have to give up all of them to give up to get AD when that time comes or whatever it is. There's just the the layers to this and it all goes back to what we started with Andy, which is they're trying to do two things at once and it makes it difficult to execute the season, but it also makes it fascinating to follow. I'm enjoying it, and we'll know more probably you know early next week when about you know everybody gets reevaluated and all that kind of stuff. Right now we're still sort of shooting in the dark, um, but it's going to be fun to watch Thursday, probably Friday, maybe going forward. Anything else? Nope. All right. See you next time.